0: Hey, hey, my friends, I have a treat for you today. I know you love it when stories are shared and stories are how we connect with one another and they're how we learn, because even if somebody's story seems a lot different than yours, it's not maybe something you've gone through or maybe something you've never even heard of before, but we can always find elements that relate to our own life or to somebody we know or love or who knows at some point it might actually apply to us. So today I will be sharing a story from one of my uh, acquaintances who actually was a a business acquaintance and we ended up connecting over something so much deeper as well, which was pelvic health. And I want to let you know that while she shares, Kelly shares her story today, which she goes into detail about this specific event that happened. that was sort of a a culmination of a lead up of some lifestyle choices she made. So there was some lifestyle choices she'd made and then there was a a medical event that really had several twists and turns that you're going to learn about. But she ties together so brilliantly, so I hope you'll listen all the way to the end because it's a really, really powerful wrap up that she shares about the lessons that she learned. And I really hope that you will get a lot out of this episode. I do want to say that her story is pretty, um, you know, very detailed, and. I don't want it to scare anyone. Now, it's not graphic or gory in any way. Don't worry about that. But sometimes hearing medical stories can be a little bit hard to listen to. And there's a lot that happened to Keldy. And so I really encourage you, if you do feel a bit of um, stress as you're listening to this, it's so important that we take care of our nervous systems and listen to our bodies. It's really amazing how quickly our bodies respond to hearing stressful situations, even when they're somebody else's story, our body still responds. And so I just encourage you to take care of yourself as you're listening to Kelly's story, and please breathe deeply, take deep breaths in, slow down your exhales, long, slow exhales, and just be present in the moment and be present with the story And and you're going to get so much out of it. So one thing that I want to just quickly share before we dive in, is that after we were done with our conversation, Keldy stayed on the line with me and we kept talking for a little bit. And one thing that that she does share in the interview is that she does have some problems with leakage. So some pelvic floor concerns, fecal incontinence. So we can have incontinence from both ends, you know? And she has suffered with some of those issues and she actually had no idea even at at the end of our conversation, she knew that I did some pelvic floor stuff, but she didn't know that pelvic floor strengthening and and identifying those muscles and learning how to release and work on the coordination control could actually help her condition. She really wasn't aware of pelvic floor physical therapy as being a thing that could help her. And she said that, you know, she comes from a family where it's just accepted that when you have a cold, you need to get a pad because you're gonna leak. Or if you're with girlfriends, you're gonna leak if you laugh or you're gonna leak if you sneeze. But basically she was just saying, you know, I can't believe that I had no idea there was help for this, and this is just yet another thing that understanding the value of researching options and looking at lifestyle and looking at natural ways to treat these issues and not just complacently accepting them as normal you know, actually going out there and taking some action, even if it might be a bit of an inconvenience, it might be a bit of a hassle to actually figure it out and do the work. But she said, wow, if only I would have known. And so she gave me permission to share that story with you all. But that's just kind of a preview of of what's to come is really tying together the implications of lifestyle and not putting yourself first. So I'm just going to leave you with that as a little cliffhanger and I hope you will enjoy Keldy's story and just enjoy, I mean I guess enjoy is kind of a funny word because it's, it's quite a tumultuous story, but relate. I hope you'll relate and I hope you'll learn because I know I did. I learned a lot from our conversation. So without further ado, welcome to Keldy. Today, I have with you a really, really kind of happenstance interview. It's with Keldy, and she is somebody that I met for a completely unrelated reason to pelvic health. We actually had a a connection about business questions uh, for my online business, and Anyway, we ended up discussing the work Keldi does and seeing if she could help me in, in a way with my online business. And we ended up discussing not only that, but also pelvic health. And so I am going to introduce you to Keldy. She has a story really all about her journey through menopause and some changes she experienced. It was quite A twist and turn journey. And ultimately there was something she learned at the end. So I wanted to bring this story to you today. Um, Keldy, I'm just going to let you jump in and let everyone know kind of about you and what prompted you to begin this twisty, turny journey into menopause and the changes and
1: everything. So thank you for having me here because I I feel like I have um, a new mission to share with women as well. Um, I have been on a health journey for a very long time, probably for 20 years, it started due to weight and not feeling good. And then you know, I kind of went vegan and got better Then I actually. um, uh, This is an awful way to say it um, was uh, very lucky that my sister was diagnosed with colon cancer, because her diagnosis then sent the siblings in for checkups. And I discovered I did not have colon cancer, but I have a condition that creates um, adenomas polyps in the colon. So I had hundreds of polyps in my colon. So I had a huge resection, um, no bag, I was able to be my own health advocate to fight and look for what my options were. And that's sort of where that journey started for me in learning to be my own health advocate, and figuring out what are my options? What are the doctors saying? What are alternative things that I can be doing to improve my health. And so that started my journey of learning about really learning about health and things that we can do without just necessarily taking a pill, because I know that pills usually end up with side effects and different things. So that was the start of my journey. And then as I got older, I was still eating healthy. um, But the weight started to come back on because my condition means that food would go through me super fast without having a colon to slow it down. Um, and so, um, yeah, so I just you know realized that I was letting it slip again. So I stopped necessarily eating full vegan and thinking about my health and thinking about the food going in my mouth. I literally stopped thinking about it because I just wanted to slow down my digestive tract and how things were flowing through my body. So I gained weight again. Can I ask you, Kaldi,
0: how did, tell me how that felt when you, when you stopped, what did you notice? Did you notice that it was starting to feel not so good or did you not really notice for a while? Like what, what, what was that time period? Like, did it kind of, was it like a slow
1: slip or was it fast? Was there, yeah. It was a slow slip. It, it started with probably, um, because when, when you're eating vegan, a lot of my friends and around me did not eat that way. So the slip starts with, well, don't worry about it. I'll just eat it while I'm here. And the, you know, kind of accommodating and not making people make certain things for me or because we would literally, my husband and I would almost be excluded from some things because it was just kind of hard to invite me over um, and, or I wouldn't eat or different things. And so what I started to do was to slip and just allow for other people to not worry about me. Mm-hmm. And then I stopped worrying about me. And so it kind of gradually happened over time. I gained five pounds wasn't too concerned. I'm thinking that's okay. Um, You know, things are slowing down. But then it just started to kind of compound. And I did notice it easily within about two years. Mm -hmm. And then I would try to eat more. And then I would get frustrated with what my body was doing. Literally, you know, we talk about women who maybe can't, run or whatever, because of pelvic floor issues, and they might have a bladder issue. Well, mine was the other end, because it was very liquid. I literally could not jog, because Mm -hmm. it would come out the back end, Mm -hmm. even just a little bit. And it would burn, and it would hurt. And it was really affecting what I felt was just a normal life to walk around, and then to have, you know, walk fast, and then to be like, Oh, oh, my goodness, now I need to go home, or I need to wear a pad. Mm -hmm. And it hurts. And so then I started to justify eating badly as okay, because at least it allowed me to do the other things in life, which I felt were normal. But Uh the weight gain kept coming and coming when I would eat the starchy pastas and the potatoes and the rice, because those things actually did slow down um, the digestive tract for me. And so that also put the weight on me, because I was back to eating heavy carbs in order to do that. Uh, Instead of, you know, because I investigated using psyllium fiber, and Metamucil, which is full of psyllium fiber. Mm -hmm. And then I learned that, you know, if you use that um, product, or what happens is, is it uh, it stops the absorption of medications, Mm -hmm. if you take it within a couple hours. So in my mind, I'm like, well, if I take that, it's also going to stop the absorption of nutrients and things that could be coming out of my food. So I chose not to use that as the default way that the doctors wanted me to use it. Oh, just take psyllium fiber and you'll be fine. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I won't get the nutrition out of the food. So I went back to food to do it. But I, I didn't, I didn't dig deep enough, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I let things slide. Um, I worked literally for a functional health doctor. So I was getting better again, getting back into vegan frying recipes, green smoothies. I did notice that green smoothies, not not juices, but the actual smoothie with all the fiber um, that actually did slow down my track. Mm -hmm. But I got quickly tired of green smoothies all the time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So because they pretty much all taste the same to me, um, which is good, but not when it's like all the time. And so again, I just let it slide. What I did notice, though, was I was becoming out of breath because of my weight, I was um, just not feeling good and isn't as energetic as I was. So I was trading one condition for another Mm -hmm. in my health. And I really was complacent because I, I was, you know, so knowledgeable about certain things. And then when I, you know, getting closer to menopause, my period started to change and different things started to happen for me. I, and work got really busy. And so I literally just kind of focused on work and let my health go. And when I say that it wasn't, you know, like I was eating a bunch of junk food, but I wasn't doing what my body was asking for. And I knew it. I was doing the quick fix. Yeah. Right. That's
0: that's so interesting that you say, and I knew it. And that's kind of what I was getting at. That probably felt, off. There was probably some dissonance there. Like I, I know this isn't right, but maybe you were sort of at that point where you felt just overwhelmed by it all. You'd kind of gotten to that point of feeling overwhelmed. And then you're just like, well, what the heck do I do now? You know, is that how you felt at that point?
1: It it is because I was getting conflicting also information. I mean, out there, when you look at the world, there's so much information about health and you don't know what's accurate, what's not. Mm -hmm. And when we're busy with work and life, and a lot of us are very busy with children and different things. It's easy to put ourselves last as well. And so for me, I knew what foods I need to have. And I would literally have healthy food, go to waste, because I was so busy, I would go in and grab the junky thing that was faster to cook, or to grab and eat. I knew exactly what I was doing. So my intention was to buy the good food, but I still didn't eat it or use it. Yeah. And it, it was very conflicting because I, I you're right, I was overwhelmed. I didn't know what I needed to concentrate on. I, I, do I concentrate on building my business? Mm-hmm. Do I concentrate on my health, which for me, I'm not a foodie, like I don't love to go in the kitchen and prepare food and cook it. That's not me. Mm-hmm. I just want simple, I can eat the same meal. You know, every Monday, I could eat the same thing if I chose to do that. Because it, if it's simple, it works for me. Mm -hmm. And so I found no pleasure in preparing my food, if that makes sense. And I still don't even you know, I'll go in and do it. But I do not take pleasure in it. I don't know why Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm always having to think about everything that goes in my body. And it does become overwhelming. I wish I could just forget it. I wish there was a chef who would just bring me a beautiful salad that tasted great. and just plunk it in front of me and I would eat it Um, I think a lot of us feel that way. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, so over the years, I've gained the weight, then I have started losing it. And so with this past year, with um, the pandemic, I had my, um, my mother who is a midwife, so all about female health, um, very knowledgeable. She came to visit and got stuck here. So she was here for seven months in my home. And there was something happening that you know nobody talks about we just kind of women we just keep it to ourselves i was spotting with my period for i would have a period but i would spot the whole time in between and very annoying but just enough to be annoying all the way through that 7 months and literally the day after she left the spotting stopped and i'm like wow that must have been stress so this was what i told myself all of that spotting for that whole 7 months had to be related to stress and not to hormones, something else going in my body. I was ignoring signs that my body was telling me not telling anyone thinking it's no big deal. I think a lot of us um, have might have been brought up to think that menopause is just when your period starts to go away. Mm -hmm. And that there's really no other symptoms besides hot flashes, and your period slowly goes away which would be my dream because I'm done having children and I'm over having a period, I'm, you know, I'd like it to go away. So I'm thinking you know, that stress pretty much within a month, the next period after my mom left. Um, so the spotting stopped. And then I had a period about 30 days later and because I've always had irregular periods. So it came and it was very heavy and blood clotty and painful, but it was like heavy, like it's never been um, a different color, all of that kind of stuff. And then so that was something happening to me and didn't really relate it to anything. But what was happening as well is all of a sudden I was out of breath. I'm like, wow, my weight has got out of control. I go downstairs to the laundry room and I come up and I'm exhausted. I need to do some exercises. I need to start losing weight, so I'm looking into what I'm going to do now to get back on track for my health, for the weight issue because it's causing me to be out of breath. And then I decided I would phone the doctor about the heavy bleeding because it was just really, like, very heavy and abnormal. And so, in uh, during the pandemic, it's like a telehealth call. So, you know, a few days later, I have this booked. I that morning I went in the shower and I literally had to get out five minutes later because I thought I was going to pass out in the shower. Mm -hmm. I was so out of breath. I just literally got out dripping wet and went and sat on the toilet seat cover and then phoned my husband and said, actually phoned him because I thought I was going to pass out. I'm like, you know, sweetie, I think I'm about to pass out. Mm -hmm. I'm in the bathroom. I'm just letting you know, I'm going to sit here. Can you sit with me on the phone? Um, because I feel nauseous and dizzy and for no reason, I have no idea why this is happening. And so then I, you know, after 10 minutes was able to move and do some things. And then I got dressed and I was prepping for the call with the doctor that was coming in, in the morning and the, uh, doorbell rang. I had a package delivered. So I went down the half level to get the package. I walked down the stairs no issues. Um, I happened to put the uh, a pulse oximeter on my finger before because of what was happening in the morning. I decided to look at what my oxygen level was and um, the beats per minute of my heart. And so I had it on my finger when I went down the stairs. So it's already thinking this is kind of weird. I'm still feeling off. But I went down the stairs, opened the door, bent down to pick up the package, very light, small package, picked it up and went, whoa, like, I'm dizzy and stuff again, close the door. And then the pulse oximeter started to go off like crazy. It was, I didn't even know it beeped. I just knew that it could look at it, but apparently they beep. (laughs) So all of a sudden it beeped and my oxygen was at 84 and it's beep, 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 beep. So then I'm like, okay, I better go upstairs and sit down. So I go up the stairs, go over to the chair, sit down. And then it starts to beep again and it's beep, 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 beep. And I'm looking, my oxygen is up, but my heart rate is now 145 as my heart is trying to pump all of that oxygen Mm -hmm. um, to get that into my body. So then I'm like, this is like really strange. This is more than weight. I don't know what's going on. So I wait, the doctor phones me. I'm still in the chair. I explained to the doctor everything that just happened to me. And he's like, "Um, you were bleeding for seven months. I'm like, yeah, it was just a little annoyance, whatever. And he said, I need you to go to the hospital and get um, a blood test for iron because I think you're anemic and not just a a blood test that would take a long time to get the results. He says, I need your results in two hours, Mm. because if you're, Uh, level is a certain amount, you might need a blood transfusion, what you're telling me sounds like you're ready for a blood transfusion. I'm like, what is going on? I, you know, I don't understand how can I go from, you know, a little bit of what I think is just spotting to being anemic. And so he sent me to the I went to the hospital, they got the results, it came back, he said, you're anemic, you've dropped over 40 points, um, since your last regular blood test. And he said, you're close to needing a transfusion. So he put me on and with the bleeding I was still having then so because I was told you I had a heavy period as well. And then I was having all these things. He put me on a drug called Marvel which is a high dose birth control pill to stop the bleeding immediately because he needed the blood needed that to stop in order to avoid a blood transfusion. And he put me on iron pills. Hey there, please excuse this quick interruption
0: to this exceptional interview. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am as I go through and edit it. Uh, But I wanted to let you know, just remind you, that if this topic calls to you, if you are somebody Going through hormonal changes, perimenopause, if you've ever experienced pelvic health changes associated with perimenopause, particularly prolapse or bladder leakage, then please check out my Lyft program. It is a course that women have gone through and literally have told me that it's changed their lives. So I hope that you'll check that out. All the information is in the show notes. You can even get the first week for free. All right, back to the show.
1: So the Marvelon on um, birth control pill was what we did to quickly stop the bleeding and I triple dosed and double dosed for a few days there. And then I continued the pack and the bleeding did stop because he wanted the bleeding to stop in in three days. And so we had this plan. I had taken the birth control pill when I was in my 20s. And you know, so I'm thinking this is still fine, even though That was a low dose birth control pill. And this is like a super high birth control pill. Um, Didn't worry about it. It, The bleeding stopped, went on to the next. So as soon as I stopped those pills, of course, the period came again. Mm -hmm. More than heavier, like heavier than it was the previous time. Lots of clotting. I phoned the doctor's office. Oh, he's on holidays. So I talked to what they call a locum doctor, the the fill-in doctor. Gave him the information. Uh, told him what was happening. I said, Can you? This is me. Can you please just put me back on that birth control pill? And let's stop this bleeding. And can you give me two months dose? Because I already have a gynecologist appointment to speak with a gynecologist about what's happening to me that got booked from the first time this happened. And so he did. I double dosed, like triple dose, double dosed again, kept taking the pill. And then even I was two days into the new pack of the pill, because you triple dose, double dose, you've used up some of those 21 days. Mm-hmm. I went in to see the gynecologist, we had a discussion about what are my options. So the options were, you know, the stay on the birth control pill, go to progesterone, possibly an IUD, maybe ablation or a hysterectomy, like we, and you went through every possible side effect and said, How are you feeling? Like, what do you want to do? Yes, I and I had had a uh, an ultrasound of the uterus, which was during that time as well, which was a little bit unclear on the ovaries. And so he said, "Well, we're going to send you for another ultrasound in three to four months." Um, so, do you want to? St- what do you want to do for your options? And I'm like, "Well, you know, hysterectomy. I, that's like drastic. I'm not going to the surgery spot yet. Mm-hmm. Um, even ablation." Um, I was told I had polyps, which I'd had in the past uterine polyps about 10 years before. Nothing seemed out of the ordinary for stuff that I had sort of been going through. Mm -hmm. And so I said, let's just stay on the pill. And let's see. And he said, like, I want you to go off it when your thing's over. Let's try to see what happens with your periods. So that started. But before I so right after seeing the the doctor and before I even got to my next period, I ended up in the hospital with huge chest pains, pains in my upper shoulder and in my chest and uh, under the breast. So basically where the heart is, I guess, but for me, it was like under the breast, it was a different, it felt like a different spot to me. Mm -hmm. And up across my chest, I spent a long time in emergency. They did some tests then they did some more tests and then they sent me for a CAT scan. And basically 12 hours later, they came back and said, you have uh, blood clots, you have a blood clot in your up in your chest near your lung, and you had a blood clot that split into a bunch of other little arteries. So I guess it's a pulmonary embolism is what they technically call it PE. And I was like, what, like, it was just, it's what it's like, basically 1230 at night, um, one o'clock in the morning, and they're telling me, this is what it is. And then I'm like, Okay, oh, my goodness. And they're like, here's some blood thinners. And you have to go off of estrogen forever. So this is just the blanket doctor thing. You can never have estrogen again, ever anything with estrogen, you can never have blanket order. And, you know, you're now on these blood thinners, which is a high dose blood thinner, because they're worried that they could move and kill me or cause a stroke. And so again, during the time of the pandemic, There is no uh, support system for you when you're in the hospital, you're by yourself, Mm -hmm. you know, unless you need a translator, Mm -hmm. you're by yourself. Mm -hmm. And so I'm getting that news. And, you know, even the people around me, because we're all kind of sitting in these chairs in emergency, nice, comfortable chairs, but chairs Mm -hmm. just the same. um, And they're like, well, at least you know what it is. And oh, my goodness, that is hard to hear. Um, And then basically, I was given pills and said, go home and get this prescription filled. And we're sending this to your doctor, and there'll be some follow up. So I go home and we start this whole process of what does that look like? But in my head, and I even said to the doctor in emergency, if I go off these pills, which I know I'm going to, but I'm just telling you, you've just put me on high dose blood thinners, and I'm going to get my period. Like I knew this is what's going to happen to me. Because I was taking those pills to stop the heavy period. And now you've put me on high dose blood thinner because it's the initial, um, oh my goodness, she's got a blood clot. It's not just regular blood thinner dose. It's like, get it up there so we can help save her life. So I went back home, of course, called the doctor, called the gynecologist, like started the process of me wanting to talk to people saying, what are we going to do? Gynecologist sends over a prescription for progesterone and says, I want you to go get this five milligram dose of progesterone and we'll take that when your period comes and let's see what happens. Um, My period comes and it's heavy, like go through a tampon into the pad um, within an hour. And then it started to get over the next couple of days. It was getting worse and worse. So that it was like every half an hour. (gasps) It was, it was literally And it wasn't the doctor didn't seem to be worried. He's like, we'll take the progesterone, it'll kick in and this will help. But it was getting worse and worse. My mother I had said is a midwife and she had gone back home. So she just phoned to check on me and say what's, you know, what's going on? How are you after you know, because she knew about the blood, blood clots. And I told her what was going on. This is at 10 o'clock at night, she's just checking in on me. And I was telling her I'm going through a tampon every half hour to an hour. Mm -hmm. And it's going right into the pad and the pad is getting filled as well. So she's like, this is not normal. No. (laughs) Um, She goes, I think what you're describing is a trickle hemorrhage. And this is what I look for when I deliver babies at home and why I always go back and see a woman within hours, even if it's late at night, I go back in the morning to check to see what's going on because we worry about um, people not noticing when they're hemorrhaging and like the same way. So she um, had me stop using a tampon and then just keep using um, the maxi pad. And then she wanted me to measure it and to send her pictures, like text message me the picture of this. And uh, she's at one point, she said, I'm not talking to you as your mother. Yeah, I'm talking to you as a woman's health professional. This is really serious. I think you need to go to the hospital. You're hemorrhaging. Mm -hmm. and you're on blood thinners and so you need to go to the hospital and I said well can I monitor it so I kept monitoring it all night I probably didn't sleep very much by six o'clock in the morning um, she's like you have to go like you need to go this isn't stopping it's a trickle hemorrhage you're losing um, a lot of blood you don't think you are because it doesn't look like a lot in the pad but she said it's adding up and this is a hemorrhage my husband also said you're going so we again pandemic fear about going back to the hospital, you know, offense, but people I, when you go in, there's no support from your family. You're in by yourself, making decisions by yourself. Yeah, And you have potential access to people that are coming in for COVID, which I wasn't. And I'm thinking already my oxygen levels are low. So here I am kind of freaking out that I'm already having low oxygen. I do not to get need to get something that's going to cause me to, um, have trouble bleeding or breathing as well. So there's all these fears. I go back in, I'm in there for a while. I'm the bleeding is getting worse and worse and worse. So now it's actually turned up a notch, I think, because I'm walking around, um, you know, and, and I'm at the hospital and all these things are happening. And at one point, there was so much um, blood coming up that when I would stand up, um, and as women, we understand this, we stand up and we can kind of feel yeah. when the blood has been stuck in that area for a while. Mm-hmm. And so you stand up slowly, so the pad can absorb it, like these are the thoughts that go through our heads. Um, and so they say, Are you in pain? I said, Nope, I'm just letting the pad catch up with me. It's okay. You know, before I'd go to the washroom, because I was timing it based on the clock to go to the washroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at one point, I stood up. And it went everywhere. So I'm literally wearing tights or leggings. So you know how tight those are against our legs, Mm -hmm. those, those things are tight. Mm -hmm. And I stood up. And I felt it go everywhere. It literally ran down both sides of my legs. And I'm like, this is not good. I can feel it everywhere. This is a problem. It's worse than ever. I go to the washroom, I come back and talk to the nurse and say this is really not good, whatever. The doctor comes to see me, emergency is very busy. So it did take a while. But when they heard this, the doctor came to see me. And then his response was, well, this is kind of normal. And I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? That, yeah. this is normal." I was like, what <laughs> exactly? I'm like, um, what do you mean? This is normal. This is not normal to me. And I had tears in my eyes because I was like, this is not normal. And he says, oh, I'm sorry, wrong choice of words this is what we expect to see if you're having a heavy period and you're on blood thinners. And I'm like, but this is not normal. Yeah. Like I'm telling you, this is not normal. And he said, well, we could, you could, we could send you home and you could come back if it gets worse. Or if you want, if you really want, I could check you in. And I'm like, I want you to admit me. Like I'm telling you, this is not normal. Mm -hmm. And So then I'm admitted. He's he's getting me admitted. The nurse is coming in, and she's actually happy. I'm admitted. Um, You know, I'm glad you chose to be admitted. This is a really serious problem. And then all of a sudden, I had like three specialists. I had an internal medicine doctor who was worried about the um, blood thinner. I had a gynecologist. Um, Oh my goodness, who else did I have? And I had another like a hematologist or something. I had all of these people. All of a sudden, I'm like, I went from you can go home. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want and come back to having three specialists, all of a sudden, all coming to talk to me, um, and to admit me and get me in. Um, And then, yeah, it was a, it was, it was just very scary, because I didn't know what we were going to do to stop the bleeding. And then they wanted to, of course, to examine me to make sure the bleeding was coming from the uterus. Um, And so, as a woman, we usually go to the doctor in between our periods, Mm -hmm. right? This is a a taboo thing. You don't ever go to the doctor when you're having your period. Yeah. So I'm like, well, how is this going to work? And the nurse was, was, um, very helpful about talking about how this is taboo and how as women, we need to get over this. And that this has been a discussion going on in her industry for a while that, um, women don't want to come when they're bleeding. She goes, this is a hospital, like literally we're used to seeing blood you need to not worry about it. We do need to examine you, we will figure out how to clean, we'll clean it up. And he'll be able to look, don't worry, don't feel embarrassed that this is happening to you. um, And that, you know, a doctor is going to try to look at your uterus when you're spewing blood. And she's like, this is, this is a taboo subject. And we need to be talking about this more. And that's when she said to me that more women have this issue than people know, which is the heavy bleeding, when we're going into menopause, she goes, a lot of people think it just goes away. And she said, more and more women are having um, inconsistent periods, and then super heavy bleeding, and they're having blood clots, and they're having to address these issues. And so when I think about all of this, and I was admitted for five days, Uh, in the hospital, my blood pressure was I have low blood pressure normally, but it was going down to the point of like um, 80 over uh, 50. And they were really worried. And then plus, they were thinking about the blood transfusion because my hemoglobin kept dropping. And I was at the point of 78. And they were getting prepped to give me a blood transfusion. Uh, And then I think my um, iron pills that my husband was able to get into the hospital for me over the couple days before helped to start um, that part of it to be recovering, I don't know why they didn't give me iron in the hospital, actually. But just they didn't, I used my own iron pills. Um, but yeah, so we started to, to look at heavy periods and different things. And then I, I think the reason that you and I wanted to talk Brian was because I mentioned that I made a very easy decision and choice to remain on that birth control pill even though I knew it was a high dose pill to begin with, and I'd never had blood clots, I knew full well, the risk of my choice. And instead of really investigating more about progesterone, and an IUD, and what would that look like, I took the easy way to stop the problem. Similar to with the health, when it got easier for me to not eat vegan the way I was wanting to eat, Um, because I didn't want to inconvenience my friends. I there's a pattern there that I have that I am not putting myself first and my health first, even though I know that I should be doing that, looking at alternatives, seeking out other advice. Um, So I take full ownership of this whole thing that happened to me. um, As I'm going into menopause, I'm the person who decided I didn't, you know, choose the, the prescription originally, but I was more than willing to do anything to stop the bleeding. But then after that, instead of doing my own research and being my own health advocate and learning more about everything, I chose to to go back and do work and do whatever else I was doing in my life and not take full ownership of investigating what could happen to me, what my alternatives would would have been. And now I've put myself in this position where I'm on blood thinners for three to six months, at least, which means I can't have an IUD, I can't have anything that's considered surgery. Uh, You know, ablation, I so I don't even have the options of my period. Like, what is that going to be? Estrogens out, I'm on progesterone. But the next ones up were IUD, ablation, different things. I have none of those options right now, to deal with the the issues in the uterus. I also found out that I don't just have polyps that I have um, fibroids, mm. which is, which was what was bleeding in the first place. That's
0: what I was wondering from the first time we talked, I thought to myself, I wonder if she has fibroids or adenomyosis, something else going on in there. So yeah, that's so interesting. So in retrospect, you think that looking back, taking a step back, I mean, first of all, first of all, first of all, back up, I just want to give you some love and compassion and ask you to give yourself grace, because I mean, my gosh, I love that you are taking, you have such great awareness and you're taking responsibility for your decisions. But honestly, I mean, goodness, this is just such a issue, a story that I think anyone can relate to, because when you're trying to make these decisions in the moment and you have a busy life, you've got a family, you've got friends, you've got work, a thriving business. I mean, it's hard to step out and take that time to do the research. But you're you're saying that looking back, you would have stepped back. You would have looked more at different options. You would have looked more at more natural options
1: too, right? Yes, for sure. Mm -hmm. I I am not a person that prefers to take a pill and move on. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never been that way. I think that intuitively our bodies give us messages and tell us things and that there are lots of natural and alternative ways to solve a problem that we're having a health issue. If we would take the time we learn, Um, you know, some medication is needed for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. I just don't personally believe that it should be our go to, oh, I have this, let me have that. Because I do know from my mother being in the health industry you know, and then working with uh, functional health doctors and different things, even in my career, working on their teams, I do know that, you know, there's side effects to every medication. I mean, we listen to a commercial, and basically, they tell you every bad thing about a drug when you're listening to the commercial on TV. But then so then you end up taking another drug that might have to counter something that's happening with that drug, and then it has side effects. And so most medications, at least back earlier, in the day, were based off of natural remedies that they then learned how to, you know, combine to make stronger and more effective, but they're based off natural things. And so I do know that um, taking care of what we're putting into our body when we're eating, what we're, you know, exercising and stretching, and um, you don't have to be a marathon runner, there are things that we can do for our body that will allow it to work at its optimal Um, capacity. Um, And even if we can't, I know a lot of people that have chronic health conditions, but we learn to figure, you know, we learn what we need to do to make our bodies feel good and to feel better. Mm -hmm. And I really believe that um, as women, I think more so than men, uh, we don't put ourselves first, we put our children first, we put our family first. And we're not taking enough uh, time for ourselves you know, when I was spotting, I didn't even say, I didn't even say anything to my mom. Who's the midwife. I just, I understand it to mean that it's not a big deal and don't worry about it. So I think it's about us being aware of what's happening in our body and to, to not write it off as well as, Oh, it's just that. I think also as women, when we go to doctors, a lot of times, what happens is, is we do tell them something and we're kind of, um, it's, I don't know, shut down or you're crazy, or it's not a big deal. I mean, literally, you can go home from hemorrhaging and come back when it's worse, or I can admit you. Like, so again, it's that it's we feel like we don't have the power when we're talking to the doctors. And I just want to say that we do have the power. Um, and I actually have to say that I usually love female doctors also for this reason, because they don't necessarily, at least in my experience from the ones I've talked to, talk down to these crazy ideas that we have in our head of what we think is happening in our body. And could it be this? And could it be that? And, um, I mean, when I had the first thing with all of the polyps, um, I had a female surgeon who was the person that did the colonoscopy and I woke up to to hear this issue. And I immediately started to research um, because they thought it was one flat polyp. Turns out it was a cluster of a whole bunch, but they thought it was one flat one. So I started to research. I phoned a doctor in Texas. I found the best person in Canada, was talking to all these different uh, people, went for a specialist appointment in Vancouver. They all said, we're going to take out your whole colon and you're gonna have a bag. I'm like, I don't want a bag. Mm -hmm. I found a website where someone didn't have a bag because they had this other procedure done. I really went down that hole because it was a wake up call that I basically almost died. My sister's diagnosis of cancer for her, small part had it fixed, went through her treatment, but mine was my whole colon. I was so worried because I was 40 years old about what the rest of my life was gonna look like. I did all of this research to figure it out And then in the end, do you know who helped me not have a bag? Hmm. My local female surgeon who did my colonoscopy, Mm. everybody else. And they were all men Mm -hmm. said, Nope, 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 Nope. And the one in Vancouver said, I can try to do the large flat polyp. And I said, well, what happens if something happens and you puncture something? He says, well, you'll just wake up with the bag. And I thought, Oh, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. I don't like that. You know, somebody else could determine my outcome. And literally I went to the female surgeon again, and I was telling her what I was looking at. And I said, but this is what I want. Yeah. And she said, okay, I'll take the risk with you because the risk was that they left it. And she would have to keep doing colonoscopies or sigmoidoscopies with me every six months. And then we've now moved it to annual over the last, you know, eight years, but she was the only one. So I have this place in my heart for the female doctors, even the one in the hospital. So all of that happened. I ended up with a female doctor in, in for those five days. So helpful. Read all the text messages from my mom, which was technical. And I said, can you look at what my mom's asking you to, to check? And she's like, your mom's right. Your mom's right. Yep, yeah, we're checking that. That's all good. So she was on the same page. She would come back, tell me everything that happened with all the specialists, what my options were, what I needed to do. I found, you know, very empowered by working with women health professionals in helping women feel empowered. So yeah, I just, well, I just really want women to be your own health advocate and to, to not um, dismiss things like I did because I, I even know better. That's the thing and I, and I'm trying to give myself grace and kindness, but there's a part of me that beats myself up because I've heard these stories from hundreds of women when I was working with the functional health doctor about how we ignore things mm-hmm. and we don't take care of ourselves and I knew better and so I'm I'm sharing a story cuz I want other women to be aware and listen to your inner voice that that little voice that you're ignoring that you're like well I got to do this for the family and I have to do this for my kids but I know I should be doing this oh wait be quiet cuz I have to do this and this and this instead Well, I,
0: I love this message so much. And I have to say you, first of all, the next time a health issue happens, because you have a long life ahead of you and there probably will be another health issue of some sort. You will have learned from this experience and you'll choose differently next time. And not only that, but you are impacting everyone who listens to this podcast. Now is going to be impacted by your story. So you are making a difference right now. And I
1: really appreciate you for sharing all of this. Well, thank you for having me here to to share the story, because I'm uh, very passionate about empowering women in whatever they want to do in life. And this is a reminder that it's not just what we do, it's, it is our life that we have to be empowered um, to take care of ourselves and put ourselves first. I mean, that analogy of we need to put the oxygen mask on yourself first in the airplane and then help others. Mm -hmm. And as women, I think we forget that. Um, and we, we need to be reminded.
0: And the other reminder, I think that I've learned from you and from our conversation is that we need to believe in ourselves enough to take up the space that we need to step back and take a beat to make a decision or to, cause I think we often feel like we're going to inconvenience the doctor or again, we're going to, you know, we're going to inconvenience ourselves and by taking that time out of our lives or inconvenience our families or inconvenience, whatever. But I think often a lot of it is inconveniencing the doctor and inconveniencing mm-hmm. the hospital staff, all of that. But I think you are reminding me to take up space and to just allow the space I need to make the decision. And then, then you can feel a lot more at peace with it, whatever the
1: outcome may be. I agree. I agree. We, we, I made those decisions on the fly, on the phone, yeah. like quick decision. Whereas I, I know that we do need to take that space. So I love that you just said that because it's okay to say, um, because they're on the phone and you think, well, I'll never get to talk to them again. I have to make an immediate decision. Yeah. But it, I should have felt... Um, and now I will remember to do this, to literally say, I'm going to phone your office back with a decision. Mm -hmm. If I don't feel like I can make that, it's okay for me to sit with it. It's okay for me to discuss it with my family. If I think that I need to discuss it with someone else or whatever's going on and then phone back and say, I've made my decision. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, this has been powerful. And I think so helpful for many women. So thank you, Keldy, um, Is there a way that you'd want people to
1: get in touch with you or? I have no idea. I mean, I do have a website, but it's business related. So I don't really think so. I would rather that they learn from you and the rest of the, you know, your podcasts are great. I was listening to some of them this morning, which I thought were so relevant almost to me in my situation, every little thing. So I'm, I'm happy for people to go through you to figure out what they need to do. I really just wanted to share my story and empower women to be their own health advocate. And um, as you said at the end here, to give themselves space to make decisions. Amazing.
0: Well, thank you again. And uh, excuse me, I really appreciate you being on my show. All
1: right. Thank you. Bye.
0: Thank you so much for listening. And if this podcast was helpful for you today, please share it with a friend. Tell them you know, what you learned and how it's going to be helpful and amazing for them to talk about this stuff. Don't forget to subscribe and also check the show notes for all the links you need, including how to follow me on Instagram and YouTube. And until next time, remember, you don't have to be an expert, but every woman should know a bit. We'll see you next time.